sports and hip hop with DJ Mad Max, as you all know, live here, Mad Max Radio, live 365, the one and only DJ Sus One. What's good, Mad Max? What's good, boy? It's just chilling. I was enjoying the Knicks game for a second there, but then they started to blow it down the stretch in the end of the second quarter. And oh boy, typical Knicks I don't basketball. Like, I, I, I don't want to mess up your whole show because I know half of it's about sports and other half's about hip hop, but I rarely watch sports. I know that's not manly of me. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but we, we can get into the hip hop talk, of course. Let's get it. What's popping? Just chilling. Can't wait to talk about your starts of your career, getting into radio, but originally starting out as an intern at Sony Music. Yeah, that's- man. That's what's really that's what really sets off your career. Before before Sony Music, though, it was your father who introduced you to hip hop and started buying you records. Well, he didn't introduce me to hip hop because he didn't really know much about hip hop. But yeah, he helped he helped, you know, provide me DJ equipment and the records and stuff like that. My uncle used to give me um Ron G mixtapes and stuff like that back in the day. <clears throat> I used to see Kid Capri um DJ at the end of Def Comedy Jam and wanted to mimic that. I used to hear Red Alert on the radio when 98.7 KISS FM in New York was hip hop and want to mimic that. I used to um, listen to Ron G mixtapes and Clue mixtapes and SNS mixtapes and Craig G mixtapes and Duop mixtapes and just all these mixtapes and want to mimic that, you know what I'm saying? Um, so that's how I started with belt drive turntables that were bootleg. I don't even remember where the hell we got them from, like Radio Shack or some crazy nonsense. And I just started trying to mimic um, things I heard, you know, on the radio and on the mixtapes and just practiced every day of my life in my room, annoying my whole family. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Those mixtapes, um, that was the classic mixtape era. How does it feel being a DJ, especially in the main scene in New York City and not being able to have that mixtape opportunity and being a legend in the mixtape game? I'm happy to hear you say legend in the mixtape game. Is that a fact? I mean, the people got to decide that, but Yo, I, I, I miss that era, bro. Like, you know, I like the game today. You know, they still do mixtapes, but it's really pre-albums. It's not like the way mixtapes used to be. The reason they were called mixtapes were, first of all, they were on cassette tapes. And secondly, DJs were mixing records together and blending records together and doing acapellas over instrumentals and or whether they were just mixing songs together, whatever. But it, that's why they were called mixtapes. And then it graduated to mix CDs. And then Clue became famous in the tape scene. And... um we got famous off doing the exclusives and stuff. And then Dipset got even famous in G-Unit and eliminated the DJ for the most part, just doing the artist mixtape. And that's graduated to what it is today, which today, I don't even, I don't even know why they call them mixtapes anymore. It feels like albums before the albums and it's streaming now. So it's like, whatever, but um, I missed the actual mixtape game and the mixed CD game and um, that whole era. You know what I'm saying? Um, you know, I don't miss carrying the 10 crates of records to clubs. I miss that era, you know, even though I don't really mess messing up my back carrying 10 crates of records, I do miss that era of actually having vinyl because technology's made it that everybody has access to all music, which made everybody be a DJ, whether they are a real DJ or not. And now we got celebrities DJing, promoters DJing, and they're not even a real DJ. And it's kind of caused some of the audience to lose track of what a real DJ is of taking you on a journey. You know what I'm saying? How do you feel about the spotlight of a DJ, especially with your radio now? So now it's basically you got to play whatever the, the companies tell you to play. They really don't highlight and showcase as much as they used to. Yeah, it's up and down. You know, I don't like to follow too many rules on radio, too, even though there are rules. You know what I mean? I like, <laughs> Good for you. I like, I like to showcase, but um, but it is a business. There are rules. 
I'm on multiple radio stations right now. I'm on Jamming in Boston, Power 1051 New York. I'm on um, Live 97.5 in Salisbury, Maryland. I'm on Dash Radio on the Taste Channel. And I, I used to be on Sirius XM, but that fell through. Um, it's everything I worked for and dreamed of, man. I, I really just wanted to be on radio in New York. Everything else is extra. You know what I'm saying? I really just wanted to be on radio in New York. I wanted my heroes to acknowledge me and me be able to do what they do in my own way. And, you know, so everything else outside of that is just extra, you know? Yeah. So I, I, I feel like I've made it to that point already where most of my heroes have acknowledged me and given me my respect. So that's it. So now I, you know, I built a career out of it and I'm just trying to conquer more dreams because the further and further I go, more dreams come and I, I try to conquer more dreams. You know what I mean? For sure. You have a lot that you're accomplished, especially with your movie thing that you're doing now. I saw that you were a quiet place last night. Yeah, so I'm a movie head. I don't want to say I'm a movie head because that everybody says you're not a movie head because I don't watch all movies, but I am a movie head when it comes to the movies I like. So I took that love. Um, you know, that's where the whole feature presentation, my whole company and name feature and the brand came yep. You know what I'm saying? So I just took that love for movies and really just started doing these um, these um, advanced VIP screenings, building relationships with the movie companies and also interviewing the actors and stuff in the movies. And it's become like a little thing, man. I'm happy about it. I'm actually going to start making horror movies and doing movies. That's something I'm, I've always wanted to do because I was a big fan in the 80s of Freddy Krueger. And of course, like Jason Voorhees and Michael Myers and all the generic ones. But the whole um, Nightmare on Elm Street brand built the movie company New Line Cinema completely. That whole franchise launched that whole company. So, and I love that franchise. So it always made me want to do horror movies. That's right. I did hear that you were a big horror fan and you, you've come to the right platform as I'm a big horror fan. And I'm not a big yeah. fan of, of the newer horror fans. I, I'm someone that stays true to the root of horror, which are the slashers from the eighties. You mentioned Freddy Krueger, Jason and Michael Myers. That's, that's horror to me as hip hop is 90s, the golden era. I agree. Um, the best era for horror movies was the 80s and 90s, in my opinion. Well, first mm -hmm. of all, not to shit on anybody from today because I'm part of today's generation, but, and you look, you look pretty young. I don't know how old you are, but in my opinion, yep. yeah, in my opinion, the best generations, and this is not coming from, you know, when you say things like this, they'd be like, oh, you old. No, I'm talking about even the eras before these eras because I know music and stuff and TV from back then. I, I'm in the game now. I play all the music now and watch TV now. In my opinion, the 80s and the 90s was the best eras for music, for fashion, for television, for movies, for horror, and just for an overall vibe. I just I just think those are the two best eras, in my opinion. I agree with you on that. I mean, it's a, it, why do we tend to go back and watch all the the movies from then we tend to go back and listen to all the throwback classics from the nineties and eighties. I, I feel as though I could be wrong. I won't be listening to the music that's playing right now on the radio in 10 or 20 years. Like we're doing with the eighties and nineties. That's just my well, opinion. I agree with you. Majority of it. You won't. I mean, you're going to be listening to, um, you know, some of the Drake stuff. You're going to be listening to some of the, um, I think I would say Cole stuff and Kendrick stuff, but, um, yeah, a lot of it is microwave music, but that's the era we're in. We're in a social media streaming era. era. It's not about the whole, you know, we listen to albums, but it's not as much as about the body of work as it used to be, where you used to open it and cherish it and see the pictures, the producers, the 
the whole entire project as a whole and cherish cherish the vinyl or cherish the CD or cherish the cassette. Everybody's dropping music like a million times a day. It's like you don't even have time to remember a record anymore. No, this is crazy. You you don't. And the music sound has changed. I think it's disgraceful how these companies push these records, especially in New York, when you have Atlanta or all these Atlanta artists on here that don't even sound like a New Yorker. And that really gets to me because you got artists like Dave East out here, Griselda. I mean, that's that's true New York hip hop to me. Yeah. Shout to Griselda, man, because at one point on because you know I do the Wendy Williams show, I had right. said that I had said that Conway wasn't my real style of music. But um, that's not the tr that's not the truth. It's just that I wasn't familiar with all his music. Um, they represent the original sound of New York. You know what I'm saying? I think hip hop has grown to a different space now. I really feel like they represent the 90s and the early 2000s era in New York, which people would say that's the true New York sound. But then some people say that the true New York sound got lost and now there is no New York sound because we got guys like Lil TJ and guys like A Boogie and guys, you know what I'm, you know what I'm saying? Um, Pop Smoke was really dope to me, rest his soul. But um, there's music out that's dope today. Like I like Lil Baby, I like, I like Pop Smoke. But yeah, it's not like it was like in the 90s and, and all that. And in the 80s, it was <clears throat> everybody had to be unique and sound different in their own right, right? Mm -hmm. You weren't allowed to sound like somebody else. If you sounded like somebody else, you were like, get the fuck out of here. Nowadays, it's almost like people are doing shit the same way because that's what's hot. And that doesn't make you unique. They're just doing it for the dollar. They're not being authentic. So yeah, there's a lot, there's a lot lost. Um, but there's still some good music out now. Speaking of copycats and people trying to sound like others in, in not only in this era, but in the 90s, you look back at Fat Joe's song, You Must Be Out of Your Effing Mind off of Represent, where he says on there, he's sick and tired of Mother Effers trying to sound like Das Effects. So apparently everyone in the 90s was trying to copy what Das Effects was doing. Well, you know, I got to really bring my memory back then, but there was people that sound like Das Effects, even... Um, God rest his soul, Chris, one of the Chris's from Crisscross, that whole make it, make it, make it, make it, Mac, you know, you know, that was a Das Effect style. So there was people, Das Effect was very unique and original at the time. So there was some people that was on that, make, I can't remember all the artists, but there was people on that riggedy, miggedy, so, you know, but still most of the people were unique on their own, in their own right at the time. Like every, most of the people, everybody was different back then. Yeah, I agree with you on that. That's why it's the best. Like, era. Like, like, look, people shitted on JD. Shout out to my brother, Jermaine Dupree. A, a girl's got mad at him because he said that, you know, the, the a lot of the female rap out today sounds like stripper music, right? Now, I, what I took from that is he didn't mean anything bad, like stripper music is bad. We like stripper music, but I think what he meant is there's not a... Um, that's all that's out. Everybody's doing the same thing. It's like one big female group. There's not like a, a, a lot of different female styles out right now that's popping in, in the um, pop culture that's it hit music. You know, if you go back in the late 90s to the song Ladies Night, you know, they had Left Eye, completely different. They had Missy, completely different. Angie Martinez, completely different. The Brat, completely different. Um, who else was on that record? Um, Lil' Kim, completely right. different. Lil' Kim, um, was doing like kind of the sexual stuff back then. We had Foxy Brown, we had so many people, but everybody was different. So um, today, a lot of the females sound exactly the same. Not that they're whacking nothing like that, but they sound exactly the same. They're spitting about the same things. They sound exactly they, like Cardi B. 
yeah, no disrespect, Cardi B's cool. She's always been cool to me. I remember she felt the way about JD saying that. Um, and she said the same thing of what a lot of people's complaint is that that's what's hot. But hip hop, it wasn't about doing what was hot when it first started. It was about being unique and being yourself and telling your own story and doing different, not being like everybody else. You would specifically at the in, at, in the core of hip hop, not want to sound like somebody else. You know what I'm saying? And I just think that's where it's different today. People want to do what somebody else is doing and sound like what's hot because they're, they're not trying to be unique. So that's the one element that I think has been lost for the most part. Where's the individuality? We don't have an MC like MC Light, Queen Latifah, Roxanne Chante. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'm not going to say we don't have any because we I do. I mean, you like, have a couple. Have... Rap City. Rap City is really good. Rap City is dope. Um, but look, Rap City hasn't created a hit record. See, that's what he think, I think what I think he meant. Rap City is dope. We have a lot of dope females MCs, but they're not creating the hit music that radio is playing. Yeah. Um, which is the like, trap look, the trap sound yeah well you it, you it doesn't have to be that you got to find your way um and be unique about it like lauren hill's another one one of the greatest female not only rappers but singers ever and when little kim had her sexual music lauren hill came with a a, a different perspective with doo-wop and you know what i'm saying so i don't understand why everybody feels like they have to do the same thing rhapsody's dope she just hasn't had a hit record that's in in um, rotation on regular everyday radio. We need we need more um, styles of female hip hop in rotation, but they need to create the right records. You know, a hundred percent. I agree with you on that. I agree with it. I, I'd love to hear Boom Bap on the radio station, but I think I'm asking for too much. I want to get back. I want to get back to I'm, you. I'm surprised you're saying that because you're young. A lot of people your age don't want to hear Boom Bap, so I'm no, I, I, I want to hear it. I, I'm. Because I love that true school hip hop. I love what Griselda's doing. I love Dave East. And, you know, that's what should be played on there. Forget these other guys. But back to Sus One. Starting out in the music industry, tell me about getting your internship at Sony Music and what were some of the things that you learned there that prepared you for the music industry and something that helped you out with not only just being at, the, at that internship in music, but on the radio side and even business side of things. Wow. Well, shout out to my brother, CL, Corey Llewellyn, who started this company called DigiWax that became real popular in the industry. Um, we went to high school together. So my way to intern in the game was interning for him because he was one grade higher than me. And he had did internship programs and actually started getting jobs in the, in the industry. And I, when I got a little older, I started interning for him. And my first internship was for a label called Crave Records under Sony Music, which was Mariah Carey's first label. You know what I'm saying? I didn't know her back then. That's the crazy part. I met her a few times. I didn't I didn't know I would end up being her DJ or anything like that, but I didn't know her back then. She doesn't remember me from back then either. I interned for Epic Records under Sony. I interned for Columbia Records under Sony. I interned for Cornerstone Promotion, which ended up being the Fader Magazine. Um, the Fader Magazine started off as a DJ magazine. That's why it's called the Fader. Funk Flex was on the first cover, but now it grew into whatever the hell it is today. Um, and I just learned, you know, you got to work hard, bro. Like interns have it easy nowadays. Like they start following lawsuits because you're getting overworked. What the what? Bro, it's the I safety, Tara. You know that. Yeah, it's like what? Overworked? You're supposed to be overworked. That's how you learn how to work. Like, what are you talking about? I used to be out all day being like an intern slave in, at, at Sony and then be happy about it, by the way. And then be in the studio at night trying to just learn and be around people and see the process of recording. And I would shower in the 
in the like the bathrooms of the studio or washing the bathrooms. There was times I had to be back in the office in a couple of hours and I just slept on benches in Grand Central Station. Like, I don't understand these people. Like, I learned that you have to work hard. And if you really want your dreams and your goals, you got to go after it. And you you got to work hard, bro. And you can't complain. You got to pay your dues. A lot of people nowadays don't want to pay their dues. You got to pay your dues. That's a fact. Well said. There's a lot of people out here that just come in here and they think, oh, well, you don't have to do that much work and you just go right to the top. And you're someone that's worked for everything that you have. Well, that's the social media era because oh, the, perception, yeah. the perception is that some people have just got famous overnight because of popularity on social media. But the reality is of it is, is once they get famous, if you want it to last, you have to work yeah. or it's going to go down. So no matter which way you look at it, you're going to have to work hard. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And it's, it's all cloud chasing now. You know, that that's something that I always speak about content creator over cloud chaser, because you have a lot of people that go on Instagram and I love to have you have your opinion on this during the pandemic. Cause you're someone that does interviews. You've had a show on a radio station for a long time, not just power one Oh five one, but when you go on Instagram live and you have to see some random person going on there and calling themselves a journalist. That just, well, that gets to me because. Bro, the social media era, which has been moving for a while now, has made anybody fake be whatever they want to be. Every girl, no disrespect, you know, I can't knock the hustle, but every girl on Instagram is a model, whether they're a model or not. Okay. They just put model. Every girl on Instagram is an actress or an actor, whether they want to be not. Every dude is a baller, you know what I'm saying? Whether they have money or not. Everybody on social media is, they just put in the bio, whatever it is, they decide they want themselves to be. They don't pay their dues and they could put get fake followers or fake views or whatever. And people sometimes believe the nonsense, you know what I'm saying? So look, social media made a lot of things easier. You could reach people overseas just from being on social media quickly, you know, gave a lot more access, but it also made dumb things down. It dumbed things down a lot and made um, the quality of a lot of things way worse. So it is what it is. I wish we could take the element back um, of social media and go back to the way things were, but I don't control the, the way the world's moving. So uh, I think if we controlled how things work, we'd be back in the nineties, listening to boom bap and enjoying good horror movies, such as Candyman and scream and, Good thing. Yeah, Scream was never scary to me, but it's one of my favorite franchises. I can't wait for Scream 5 to come out, by the way. They're working on it right now. Um, Nightmare on Elm Street was my favorite, even though it got corny after part four. But Freddy's always been my favorite. Um, I used to be obsessed with Child's Play, Chucky as a kid, until it got corny. You know, Child's Play 1 through 3 was incredible. Then they started with this bullshit. The Bride of Chucky. <laughs> Bride of Chucky to see Chucky. I can't even believe people like that. But... Um, yeah, so before all that, I used to be obsessed with Chucky. Um, of course, the Halloween series, which is still moving today. It had a couple of corny films also, but it had a lot of great ones. Um, shot to John um, John Comp Carpenter on that one. Um, you know, there's a lot of classics I like in horror, bro. Candyman is an absolute classic. I don't know about anything after part one, but Candyman is an absolute classic. The remake is coming out soon, too. Um, Poltergeist, the new one was trash, but the original one that Steven Spielberg did was amazing. I agree. You know what I'm saying? So many classics, so many classics. How do you feel about Halloween 3, Season of the Witch? Because you mentioned that Halloween did have a few terrible movies in the franchise because there's a cult following for Halloween 3. So 
I actually, I'm not part of the popular opinion. I actually like the film Halloween 3 Season of the Witch, but the problem is it shouldn't have been called Halloween 3. It should have been a separate movie outside the franchise called Season of the Witch. If it was a standalone movie, I don't think it's that bad. No. I actually I actually liked it, but as part of, part of the Halloween franchise, no, it doesn't match, but they didn't know what the franchise was yet. They did Halloween 1 and Halloween 2, and they thought Halloween was supposed to be like storytelling, like, like they were gonna do different stories. Mm -hmm. So they tried to do Season of the Witches, the next story in Halloween. And then they realized very quickly that Michael Myers was the brand. And that's why part four was called The Return of Michael Myers. So they made, you know, they made a mistake. They didn't know, they didn't know, they didn't know that was gonna be the brand. So, but no. if, if they would have made that a separate film called Season of the Witch, excluded Halloween three, I would have liked the movie. I don't think the movie's trash. I just think it's not a Michael's, it's not a Halloween movie. It's not a Michael Myers movie. I don't get how people showed up to theaters. What was that, 1982 when that came out, starring Tom Atkins? And people were just saying, where's Michael Myers? It's like they didn't even pay attention. He got blown up at the end of the hospital, Halloween 2. Yeah. You know, these horror movies in the 80s. That's one thing I miss about the 80s, too. Like, today, I feel like people don't want to use their imagination. Everything has to make so much sense. It has to be so realistic. Yo, bro, Michael Myers came back so many times in impossible ways, and I was completely happy with that. They blew him up in part two, um, and then in part four, it was just like, he was just burnt. Like, I was fine <laughs> with that. I, I like that. I miss that element. Now it's like everything. Look, I like some of the realistic movies too, too, because the Batman um, Christopher Nolan series was dope the way they made it realistic, but not, where's people's imaginations, bro? Like, not everything has to be so realistic, because if you make it so realistic, then a lot of these horror movies can't exist. Like, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. The 70s were also a great time for horror movies. You had The Exorcist, Jaws, The Texas Chainsaw Massacre came out in that era. I think the 70s is overlooked. Yeah, well, my era is the 80s. Texas Chainsaw Massacre, I saw it, but I wasn't really into it till later. Um, Jaws is a fucking classic. 100%. You know, that's, that's, first of all, that's the movie that launched Steven Spielberg's career. Mm -hmm. They thought it was going to be a failure. They kept having problems during the movie, and it became one of the biggest movies of all time. Um, and it's an absolute classic. Um, what was the other one you mentioned? The Exorcist. Yeah, The Exorcist, I was never really into either. I don't know why. Every I know it's very popular and everybody was into it, but that wasn't one of mine. I, I liked Poltergeist better. Mm. Did it scare you? Is that why? Nah, it really didn't scare no. me as a kid. I don't know why. I just never was into the demonic horror movies. Even nowadays, oh. even nowadays, I watch them with my girl, but I like more of the slasher films and the the other types of horror movies. I'm, I've never really been into the demonic horror movies. You know what I'm saying? I even, though there, even though there's a good one on Netflix right now called Eli, that shit was crazy. I'm not going to lie. That was good. I got to check that out. Because I, when I go to Netflix, I see all these movies and I'm like, these are B movies or something. Nah, watch Eli. That was crazy. But I don't, I don't like too much of the demonic movies. I like I, in the paranormal movies. I like more of the slasher films and those type of films. Even Saw was good. Even though I don't consider that kind of like a horror only the first one for me. Yeah, I didn't watch the others. Just the first one. The first one's a classic because it's something different. And then, you, of course, you have the 10 sequels that follow and the copycats. And, and there we have it from there. But I agree with you with the paranormal films. I think that's the, that's the trap of horror. The trap music of horror movies is paranormal. It's become so popular. Everyone's got to make a ghost movie now. Facts. I'm tired of seeing the same thing. Um, talking about Saw, Chris Rock got a movie right now called Spiral that's out the Saw book. I haven't seen oh, that yet. I haven't seen any of the Saws except part one. So I don't know if you, I got to watch the whole franchise before I watch that. But 
even the 60s, the 60s, do you go back and look at the Universal Monsters even before the 60s? Some of the stuff, you know what I'm saying? Like the original Blob, I believe, came out in the 60s. The With Blob Steve McQueen. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And the Blob in the 80s is my favorite, though. Um, Alfred Hitchcock had a lot of great movies back then. Psycho. Uh, yeah, Psycho's, Psycho was the original slasher film. Like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> that, that little simple kill scene was a it was a trendsetter for all the movies we're talking about now. Um, he had another movie called The Birds. Um, mm -hmm. You know, there was some horror movies back then, but that wasn't really my era. You know, I know some of them. You know, back then they were talking about Wolfman and Frankenstein and <laughs> the Invisible Man and stuff like that. They're trend-setting movies. I think Dracula was created way back then, the original Hello Dracula. Gossi. Yeah, yeah. So those are trend-setting movies for sure. But my era, where I fell in love with horror, was the 80s and probably the late 70s. Because I think, if I'm not, not Poltergeist, I think it was 82. 82, you're, you got yeah. it right. But Jaws, Jaws was in the late 70s. Well, I can't remember exactly what year The Shining was, but there was a lot of great, Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of great movies back. 80s is my era, bro. What do you think is an overlooked horror franchise or even movie from the 80s? Mm. What the hell was the name of this damn franchise? <laughs> um, Basket Case. Basket Case. Oh, is that that thing that's in the, the basket? Yeah. yeah, I know what you're talking yeah, about. Basket Case. Yo, in the 80s, they had this series called it, it actually wasn't a horror movie it was fucking real life shit they had a um series called faces of death and it used to show real stuff like people getting electrocuted in electric electric chairs and just did real death scenes and that shit scared the hell out of me because it was real <laughs> so yeah. i don't i don't even think they sell them i haven't seen those since the 80s like i don't even know if they sell them anymore um the summer camp series which was real crazy because it was like a girl but you found out she was a guy at oh, the end. Oh, sleepaway camp. Yeah, I'm sleepaway camp. Sorry, um, that was an under, underrated series. I'm trying to think what else because there was so many, bro. In in the '80s, there was so many. When you used to go to Blockbuster, that was just on the shelf. The Evil Dead's. Which one? The Evil Dead's. Oh yeah, the Evil Dead's a classic. Mm -hmm. They were trying to make an Ash vs. Freddy. I don't think that would have worked. No. Yeah, that wouldn't work. Evil Dead is classic though. Um, you know, it's so funny. The movies nowadays is falling under the category of what we were talking about music. There's so many that drop like on Netflix and all these different streams. It's hard to keep up with everything. I'd be discovering movies like that came out two years ago that were good. I'm like, holy shit. There's a movie called, um, Sweetheart that came out, I think 2019 or 2020 on Netflix. And it's this horror movie where the girl was stranded on an island um, her friends ended up dying and she f found out that this monster, this creature comes out at night and she's alone on the island with this creature. So there's some good ones nowadays, but it's, you have to like find them. It's not like, it's not like how it was back in the day. You just go to Blockbuster and see it on the shelf and you're like, oh, let me try this one. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Just like hip hop, you got to dig in the crates for them. Facts, facts. Which, I'm, I'm impressed that you know all these horror movies from the 80s and all that. What, what do you think is an underrated series? Mm, that's a good one. Man, I think it's so tough because everything for me is so clear. Oh, I'll tell you what I think is underrated, but only the first three films, Hellraiser. Hellraiser. I'd see, I wasn't into Hellraiser as much as everybody was, but yeah, I don't think that was underrated. I think people loved it. You think so? Because the later sequels, I mean, a lot of them are terrible, of course, but if you look at yeah. the first three or even the first four, they're decent mm -hmm. films. Yo, there's a horror movie from the 80s called The First Power. That's I've heard of that. 
That shit was dope. Um, damn, I just had a couple in my head and I forgot. Mm, there's so many though. There's so many, bro. Who's your number one horror movie creator? Is it John Carpenter? Is it Wes Craven? I'm going to say Wes Craven because A Nightmare on Elm Street is probably my favorite franchise, horror franchise. Um, But John Carpenter is incredible, bro. Like he did, he brought us Halloween. He also brought us... The Fog. The Thing. And The Thing in 1982. Yeah, exactly. And The Thing is a classic movie. Oh my God. And there was another movie he did. Did he do... um, Prince of Darkness? Who did they live? They live with John Carpenter. Yeah, John Carpenter. So that was a classic, even though that's not really a horror movie. That was a woke movie, actually. Yeah, it was. Yeah. (laughs) Starring Keith David. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Wow, you have a big knowledge of movies, bro. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. When it's when it's not hip hop or sports, I'm right here for the movies. And you say you say you're 22? Yeah. The hell's going on? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I was a shut in my whole life, I'll admit it. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I, I just I just studied everything. I really didn't have much of a social life outside. I wasn't a popular kid in school, so. Yeah, but that's dope. I, I get mad at people in our industry right now, whether it's movies or hip hop, when they say they don't know at least some of the big names in old music. I haven't listened to some of the big names because you have to know what opened the door for you to exist today. You know what I'm saying? I don't know everything, but I know some a lot of the important shit. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, come on, like. So when people tell me they didn't listen to Rakim or Biggie or Hove or KRS-One or some of these guys, I'm not saying you had to listen to everybody, but you should know a lot of the important names that created the path for you to exist today. You know what I'm saying? That's like that's like you knowing Obama, but not knowing who the hell Malcolm X was or some shit like that. Like You know what I'm saying? <laughs> oh, yeah. It's, it's insane how people... I, I think it's because... People just aren't interested in learning and reading new things. That's the thing. I think people just are so caught up in the social media and they just don't care. Yeah, they're like robots, but that, that, that means once this generation passes away and the next generation passes away, a lot of these memories and history is going to be erased because they don't want to watch it. And that's horrible. You know, that's why I miss the era that I grew up in in the 90s or whatever it is, because at least there was gatekeepers of things, right? Um, radio had all the new music, but they also had the throwback shows that taught you, you know, where we came from. There there was TV had, let's say 106 and Park as an example. They played all the newest shit, but they always had the throwback of the day or the throwback, or they always had the throwback shows. Nowadays, everything is on demand. So people are on YouTube, people are on Spotify, people are on, um, you know, Apple Music or whatever it is, and they just click on what they want to click on and nobody's pushing the history on them so they could understand and learn where we came from. And that I, that's why I don't really like the social media era and the streaming era as much as I like it back then. Oh, it's terrible. Trust me about it. And, you know, we can get back to horror later, but you mentioned a few names, KRS-One, Rakim. During your time throughout your radio career, who was that interview that you had that you hold close to yourself and was just like, wow, I sat down with a legend? There's a few, man. I got to sit down with Snoop Dogg, one of the biggest hip-hop icons of all time. I got to interview my great friend, Mariah Carey. Even though I've been rocking her for years, I never. it still surprises me every day that I'm friends with her and I get to interview her. You know what I'm saying? Um, I've interviewed so many 
incredible people, bro. I, I don't remember which ones I hold. Like, there's so many different ones, bro. I love being able to interview my heroes and talk to my heroes. You know what I'm saying? Um, I love the fact that some of them even acknowledge who the fuck I am. Like, it's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? That shit is crazy. Um, like, Teddy Riley follows me on Instagram. That's amazing to me. Nice. He's one of the greats. Like he did the whole new Jack swing era. He produced, remember the time from Michael Jackson. Like, you know what I'm saying? Um, I interviewed Ralph Tresfant. <laughs> that was great. Yeah. Um, there's so many, bro. I got to look in the archive. There's so many, bro. Have you had the chance to interview Aaron Hall? Nah, I haven't got a chance to interview Aaron Hall. It's like interviewing R. Kelly, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you, well, you weren't, you weren't um, alive back then, but Aaron Hall was popping and then R. Kelly came out and everybody used to say he sounded like Aaron Hall, but then R. Kelly skyrocketed. Oh, I know the debate already. To me, like, I think R. Kelly's better a hundred percent. Just look at the catalog. I don't see that. I just don't see the comparison and how people are trying to make that a discussion. I just don't see it. Well, no, it was the sound of his voice. It was the sound time. of his voice. Are, are we talking about when he was with public announcement and then how he went into 12 play? Yeah, exactly. He, he had a similar sounding voice to Aaron Hall, but then R. Kelly surpassed everybody. So <laughs> too, too bad R. Kelly became the monster he, he, that everybody discovered he was because he's one of the greatest R&B artists of all time. You know, it's too bad that, you know, we all discovered that he's into minors. That's horrible. So. Yeah, it's. It's crazy, uh, 100%. I think Aaron Hall's got some classics, though. The Truth, his debut album, not just the stuff he did with Guy, but The Truth was a great debut for yeah. solo-wise. That, that was a great debut. He had a record on the Juice soundtrack called... Um, every Wait, what, what was the name of the song? Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray my... I got the Juice soundtrack in my, in my library. I could pull it up. All right, I forgot the exact name of the song. We, we can double-check it. Well, we're just double checking the Juice soundtrack here for the this title of that Aaron Hall track. You, you just taught me something new, bro. We're on Zoom right now, but on YouTube. Yeah, we're on YouTube because that's how the station's playing it right now. Because that's how, because yeah. everything with COVID now, you had to find a new way. Oh, how are you going to get your radio stations to play the the live stream? So you go live on the new YouTube channel, and then they play it for you on the station. I just didn't know that that you could go live with Zoom on YouTube. I need. To yeah, you can. Yeah. Shout out, to, shout out to everybody on YouTube right now. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, uh, so the song is with Aaron Hall, Don't Be Afraid. Don't Be Afraid. Don't Be Afraid. That's a classic. I love that Aaron Hall record, bro. You know what I'm saying? You also had a song on Dangerous Mind soundtrack, too. Which one was that? I don't remember. Let me see. I got that in my library. Because Dangerous Mind, the big record, was the Coolio record. Mm -hmm. Gangster's Paradise. Yep, exactly. Yeah, Dangerous Minds was Curiosity. Oh, Curiosity. Yeah. I was on the Dangerous Mind soundtrack. Wow, you take me back. Yeah. <laughs> people, yo, a lot of the people that's watching this interview that's your age doesn't even know what Dangerous Minds is. No, they don't. They don't even, I don't even think they know the artists we're talking about. They don't know about the Michelle Pfeiffer movie, Dangerous Minds, which is an absolute classic. And the, sound, the soundtrack had the hit single, Gangsta's Paradise with Coolio. Y'all don't know about that. No. Do your, do your research and history. Yeah, that's that's the whole point. That's that's what we're in this for is journalists, interviewers, DJs. We got to know our stuff. And 
that's why we're here where we're at, you know, especially exactly. where you're at. I mean, you're a power 105 and all these radio stations and, and from, from Sony, I want to get back to you. This is your interview from Sony. How are you able to work your way to power 104.1 in Connecticut? Because I'm from Connecticut and we can get into the music scene in Connecticut yeah. and how there really isn't much of a music scene. I'm from Fairfield County. All right. So I used to, from the mixtape game and interning, I finagled my way into the clubs, right? Mm -hmm. I started off at a club called Club Hollywood every Saturday night in Rochelle. That was my first weekly gig. Um, before that, I used to do industry gigs as an intern. After Club Hollywood, I finagled my way into the clubs in New York City. Um, I used to DJ at this club called Nine and a Half, um, which was in um, downtown Manhattan. It was, there was a DJ named DJ Playtime who was from Connecticut. Um, and he came up to me and we just started, you know, talking and, you know, chit-chatting and he told me, yo, I, I DJ at this club called Bar With No Name in Hartford, Connecticut. And um, they just fired a bunch of DJs on my station that I'm on, Power 104.1, which is the sister station of Power 105. Because at the time I couldn't get on Hot 97 or Power 105. I wasn't hot enough in the streets or whatever the situation was. He said they just fired a bunch of DJs up there. Star and Buck Wild was on in the morning up there because they had got fired from Hot 97 and they didn't make it to Power 105 yet. So um, he said, come fill in for me at the club bar with no name. The program director is going to be there so he can hear you spin. So I went and filled in for him because he had to travel or whatever. Shout out to DJ Playtime. And the program director heard me and they tried me out on the air one time. Then they tried me out a second time that ended up getting the gig once a week. And I ended up after a couple of months being on six days a week. And I used to drive broke in a super fucked up neon from Hastings slash Yonkers in New York to Hartford and back every day and broke in a bootleg neon and just to be on radio for an hour a day. Um, and one on Fridays, I was on four hours a day. And I remember I, I didn't have money. I used to have to ask the program director for money out of his pocket for gas and shit like that. It was crazy. And wow. then, but that caught the attention. God rest Carl Blaze. Soul Carl Blaze used to be on Power 105.1 at the time. Shout to DJ Cut. He used to be on Power 105.1 at the time. Um, Laura Styles, who was part of the morning show at Hot 97, used to be at Power 105 at the time. And I used to call them all the time, just like, how can I get on power? How can I get on power? How can I get on power? Anyway, I went so broke that I couldn't even do it anymore. So I asked the program director if I could, um, if I could go back to just doing one day a week just to get myself back on my feet. And they basically told me in so many words that you knew what this was when you took the job and blah, blah, blah. And they took me off the schedule, basically fired me. That same day, Power 105.1 called me to do Mixed Master Weekends um, in New York. And not too long after that, my brother DJ Clue, shout out to DJ Clue, who I had built a relationship over the years from the clubs and the mixtape game, put me on tour with Mariah Carey because he had just left Hot 97 in New York to come to Power 105 because he was only on one day a week at hot and he came to do his show five days a week um on power so he couldn't do mariah's whole tour so he put me on that tour and i built a he he ended up doing i ended up doing 95 percent of the tour and he did the rest he did the big cities but i ended up building a relationship with mariah carey um at that time because he put me on that tour at the same time as i finally got on mixed master weekends in new york and then built my way from there to you know, getting my own shit. It's a dreadful drive. Yonkers yeah. to Hartford. I, I, trust me, I'm from Connecticut, so I know where it's like going to Hartford. It, 
It's terrible. Bro, it was two and a half hours on a good day. There, yeah. was super, there was super traffic. Oh my God. And then sometimes, <laughs> sometimes I would DJ clubs up there, like um, not sometimes Hartford or sometimes in other parts of Connecticut. And I would have to drive back, even though they closed early, I would have to do that two and a half hour drive back in the middle of the night. Yeah, it was crazy, but I was hustling, bro. Like, that's why I don't understand people who don't want to work hard or don't want to hustle or don't want to do things like, I, yo, there was plenty of nights my car broke down and, you know, no heat. I remember I was driving a hoopty with a damn blanket because there's no heat in the winter going to DJ gigs. So I don't, I don't like these people who say, yo, they're overworking the interns. What? You're supposed to be overworked. Get the fuck out of here. You're soft. You're so, it's exactly right. The safe space kids. That's yeah. all they are. Everyone wants to be in their safe space. How'd you like Connecticut though? Did you, have you grown? Nah, shout to Connecticut. Shout to Connecticut. Connecticut was dope. I mean, I've seen some of the most gangster shit happen in Connecticut at some of these clubs. Like I remember I DJed a club in Waterbury and the biggest brawls and shootouts. What happened? Hartford, Hartford was very big in the Caribbean scene, but Hartford was gangster too. But I love Connecticut, man. I got my start in Connecticut. Um, and they always showed me a lot of love. You know what I'm saying? Um, shout out to everybody in Connecticut. Even when I had my first weekly gig at Club Hollywood in New Rochelle, New York, was 85% Connecticut. It was 85% Bridgeport, Connecticut kids in there. Wow. So a lot of my um, first attention came from Connecticut people. That's insane. That's how you built your following. And then you yeah. have your true loyal supporters from Connecticut. I'm, I'm going to assume that you DJ Toad's Place. Oh my God, I forgot about Toad's Place. I did it like once. I didn't do it many times. That was more of a concert space. But yeah, Toad's Place is legendary in Connecticut. Yeah. You know that's our that SOBs. Oh, really? Yeah, technically that's our SOBs. It's, how, oh, okay, it's okay. our legendary spot. You can get yeah. tickets to a, a Mob Deep concert there for $100, not even. When, they, when, when Prodigy was still alive, someone was telling me about that. Yo, I have an unreleased song with Mob Deep with an unreleased Prodigy verse that he, they did for me. I should release that one day. Wow, how was that? Not as great. You know, Prodigy and me built a relationship because he used to come to the clubs in New York that I was DJing. We built a relationship. Um, and they did that song for me, him and Havoc. Um, I never released it, though. I, I should release it one day if I feel the energy's right. But, um, yeah, man, Connecticut was dope because you could, there was places that was being heard that I didn't even realized. Like, DJing in Hartford, there was people being able to hear me in the Hamptons, New York, somehow. I don't even know how that worked on a map. And plus, there were still people from New York that could hear, um, depending on where they were, the Connecticut signal from Power 1041. So, or they would be driving through Connecticut and hear me, like, you know what I'm saying? So, yeah, that, that was my first start in, in radio, bro. And it helped me get my gig at Power 1051. And of course, me being persistent as well. And congratulations on that. Yes, we always be persistent. Don't take no for an answer. Keep doing what you're doing to get where you are in life. And that's why you're at what you're at, you know. Exactly. That, that's the key in being persistent. There's nothing wrong with it. There's nothing wrong with it at all. You got to keep keep on it. Don't give up. Uh, you're bro. I'm still example of that. Still, I'm still trying to get to the next level. Like there's always a different level. I'm still working hard and being persistent in, in people's ears and hustling and doing everything. It doesn't matter what level you're at. You're always trying to get to the next level. And, and I think for you is it's. I'm gonna tell it like it is. They got to let these, these old heads got to retire. It's got to happen sooner or later so that you can be at the top. And let's say that you'll be the funk flex. And then you let the other kids come in for that are the youth. You know, you go to the top spot now. Salute the funk flex. He's, he's one of my heroes. Yeah, he's staying in the game a long time. But that's a choice, man. Honestly, I don't think I'd want to be 
let me not say that. Who knows where life will go? But I see myself going more into the movie world and stuff. I, I don't, I don't think I want to be in radio that long on that level. Unless, unless you know, we'll see how things go. But I, I really am trying to create these flicks and be more into doing Hollywood stuff. So we'll see. We'll see what's up. So you want to be, you want to be a John Carpenter, or do you want to be the actor studio interviewer? I want to be a new line cinema. My, my company is called the Feature Presentation Studios. Right now, if you go to thefeaturepresentation.com, you can see movie news, TV show news. We do movie review, TV review, um, and all that stuff. But I want to create my own horror movies, man. And, and then, you know, once that launches to a certain level, then do other genres of movies. But I, I just want to have my own new line cinema of however that would work in this um, climate of film because we're in a streaming era. But I just want to be my own... I want to be able to create my own movies, be, be the producer and get the screenwriters and get the directors and get the, the, you know, everybody. Chase that dream. We need that. We need good horror movies again. Yeah, man. So that's what I'm working on. And if anyone can do it, it's you, you, you have the space, you have the popularity, you know what you're doing. You have the knowledge of the eighties. You grew up during that time. You know what good horror is. Get that, get that trash out of the theaters. Enough of the paranormal movies. Yeah, it's just that it's interesting because it's hard to see what scares people nowadays. It's, it's, there's been so many movies over the generations. It seems like it's hard to scare people nowadays. But sometimes, um, sometimes we overthink, bro. I haven't seen a good slasher film in a while. Maybe that. Maybe it's long overdue. You could create a new slasher. Yeah, you know what I like about horror movies too, because if you do it right, you create the new face of horror. You see that face on Halloween time for years and years and years. Like people are still wearing screen masks and people are still wearing Jason masks and people for, for generations, so. It's insane how horrors came to be, even though, in my opinion, it's gone downhill a lot. That's why I still live in the 80s and 90s when I go back to view horror movies. What's What's been some horror movies that you've been impressed with this past decade? I'll, I'll tell you mine after what you say. The past decade, not many. Like I said, I just saw a good one called Eli. That's right, on Netflix. Yeah, um, but there aren't many I was imp- I'm impressed with, honestly. Impressed? No, there's not many. Not the past decade. I'll throw, I'll throw two at you. I think Sinister and Orphan were the two for me. Orphan was... Orphan was, Orphan was dope. Let me just not get it twisted. Orphan was dope. They should have did a sequel to it. Sequel's coming out this year. Oh, they're doing a prequel, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but or, um, Orphan kind of was like the good son to me until they until they released the ending part where you realize she was not a kid. That's what made it different. But besides that incredible ending, I thought it was like the female version of the good son with Macaulay Culkin. Macaulay Culkin and uh, Elijah Wood. Yeah, exactly. So, but it was a dope movie. I'm not taking anything away from it. It was incredible, but I thought it was like an evil kid, like the good son. It's just that the ending was different. The ending made it creative, where she wasn't even a kid at all. That was dope. It was the twist. Yeah, the twist. And what was the other movie you said? Sinister. Yeah, I didn't see Sinister. Oh, you got to see that. That's a movie that... That's a movie that that really sticks with people. I've shown to other people, whether it's people in my family or people that I know, and they're like, yeah, that movie had me thinking all night. Has there been a horror movie that's ever done that to you, where it just kept you up? And you were thinking and you couldn't get it off your mind. Has there been a horror movie that's done that? I mean, when I was younger, yeah. when I was younger, Poltergeist. Yeah, but now that I'm older, those um, those movies aren't as scary. 
as much as I hate paranormal movies at the beginning of the trend, some of the paranormal movies fucked me up because you know what it is about paranormal that makes it popular in my opinion, even though it's not my thing. Some people don't know whether it's real or fake. You know, they don't know about the spirit world. Some people really believe that's real. So, and it, you know, the people who don't believe it don't really know it could be, you know, so that's what makes it scary. So one or two of the first paranormal movies in the beginning of the trend before it just became like, come on now, another one um, fucked me up a little bit, but um, yeah, I don't know what would fuck people up in this mind in this day and age. Cause people are so fucked up. The TV shows and the video games are scarier than fucking <laughs> you know, <what> I'm <laughs> some, some of the movies now. So um, right about that. Yeah. So, but there's not many that have impressed me, man. Um, the first saw was dope when it came out cause it had a twist, but I still don't think it was scary. You know what I'm saying? Um, scream in the nineties was fire, but I still don't think it was scary. I think it was a typical slasher film, but what made it different was the twist of the mystery of who it is that's killing people and the whole, what's your favorite scary movie and the whole phone thing that it just made a different. Um, but besides that element, it's just a slasher movie. Um, but I, I love it though. Um, in the past decade, man, I don't, there's not many impressed, like some that just changed everything. Like a lot of people was liking, um, you know, the get outs and stuff like that, but I don't know. That wasn't my thing. Oh, thank you. Are, are you going to be the, the only person I've had on my show that said that get out just didn't impress me. It Listen, I'm all for it. You want to speak out and, and let, let's all talk about how horrible white people are. Cause they are. 100%. They're responsible for oppression and all kinds of issues in this country. But that's not my issue with it. My issue with the film was that it just wasn't that good, in my opinion. It wasn't that good, in my opinion, either. P yeah, as soon as you say a movie's not good, they start saying, what, you have a problem with the issues? No, that's not it. It's just, yeah. that's not what I look for when I'm looking for a fucking horror movie. That's all. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? And just, look, and just look at the movie that Jordan Peele made after that, Us. Yeah, yeah. I, didn't, I wasn't I didn't, a fan of that. I didn't watch Us. Um, I don't know, man. Jordan Peele, shout to him, he's killing it. But those aren't really horror movies to me. Like it's not scaring me. So, so yeah, I'm, not, I'm not a big fan of that. I, we need to get back to the the slasher era. That's what we need. Such as, hey, even a film such as the My Bloody Valentine, the original one. Oh, classic. Do you remember um, the original Prom Night and Prom Night Two? Mm -hmm. Pro, not not the Prom Night remake. The Prom Night about the one with Jamie Lee Curtis. The original, yeah, and then there was a sequel that was kind of crazy. There was a movie, was called, Mar the Mary Lou one. Yeah, Mary Lou. Yeah, and then, and then there was a movie called The Gate in the '80s that was crazy. That was a demonic movie um, that I've I like. That. Yeah, and it had a sequel that nobody remembers, The Gate Two. The Gate. <laughs> yeah. The, damn. What other horror movies? You got me going down memory lane right now. The Gate was classic. With the Gate. The Howling was classic. Only the first one. The Howling was classic. Stephen King movies was dope, man. Like um, Children of the Corn, Children of the Corn, Thinner, Thinner. Even though Thinner wasn't scary, but that was just fucking crazy. Yeah, Pet Cemetery. Pet Pet Cemetery was scary when I first saw it as a kid. Not that new one. The original, the original. Pet, pet, pet Cemetery fucked me up as a kid, bro. And we're talking about that sister that was in the yes. bed scene. That scene yes. is crazy. She she still creeps me out. And that was a guy, by the way, playing. Yeah, that it role. was. You're right. Yeah, yeah, that was a guy playing that role. I forgot his name, but that was a guy playing that role, and that was creepy as fuck. <laughs> so forget about the guy that had his brain sticking out of his head from that yeah, truck yeah. accident. We're talking about that scene with that girl that was that, that was played by a guy in the bed. 
yo, you know a lot about horror movies, man. I'm impressed. I'm yeah. impressed. <laughs> Only because of your age, I'm impressed. Because like I said, a lot of 22 year olds do not know anything before 22 years ago. Actually, before 15 years ago. Yeah, it's trust me, horror is my thing, just like hip hop and sports. If we get in the topics of hip hop, horror, and sports, it's I can go all day. Nice. I'm not into sports. I apologize. So. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but hip hop, I mean, the digging in the crates era, mm -hmm. cool mode. Mm -hmm. We need more DJs out there that are putting that on for the culture and radio stations that are letting the DJs do that. I think such as yourself, because you grew up in that era. There needs to be shows where it teaches the youth about it. And the thing is, is the youth interested in learning about the greats. Well, you know, this is one of the good things that happened during the pandemic, by the way. The pandemic versus, versus was a, another element, but it also brought the element of the real DJ. Like D-Nice became famous from it, from the Instagram lives. But I was during the pandemic and even still today, I'm watching a lot of these DJs because they're playing what they don't want you to play on the radio. Not everybody, the right DJs, you got to follow the right DJs, but there's guys that's playing all the shit that we're talking about. They're going down memory lane all the way till today they're showing you where this came from this remake came from this sample came from and there's a lot of great djs that came alive because of the pandemic on instagram live and discovered that they can just reach an audience by themselves playing what they really want to play including myself by the way mm -hmm. just straight to the people on instagram live or whether it's twitch or whatever the platform is you know we're all over, we're all on the platform so they're hearing this now i, I agree with you on that premiere had a great set he was playing the, the the classics that we all love. Facts. There were Facts. a lot of DJs that were doing that. And whether we come out of this pandemic and, as I said in my interview earlier, get back to the era of Get At Me, Dog, with DMX, let's take it back to the streets and let's hear the music that we want to hear. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't want to hear the, the dance and TikTok songs anymore. I want to get back to the, the true school sound of hip-hop, which Griselda and Davies are doing for New York. But the radio stations start wanting to sound where they sound like where well, radio, we come from radio stations as far as hip-hop is not the way it used to be there it's a business now so you just gotta Terrible. understand these radio stations are gonna do whatever moves the people and what's moving the people right now is what we hear so uh -huh. it is what it is we gotta listen to all these the little nas x songs again uh -huh. oh boy <laughs> But being a DJ at Power 105.1, it's also the responsibility of a DJ to break out new artists. Is it really that great of a risk to take and push a new artist that you find, whether it's at a club, Instagram that you're tapped in with? I do it, you know what I'm saying? But I'm just going to keep it real. There's rules in radio. You're not really supposed... You're supposed to play what they want you to play on the playlist nowadays in radio, you know what I'm saying? But there's some DJs that don't follow all the rules, such as myself. Sometimes we might get in trouble, whatever. But at the end of the day, if your ratings are good, they can't really say anything. You know what I'm saying? Um, but yeah, most people like, bro, I know radio stations that exist. I'm not going to say which ones, but I know radio stations that exist that they only have one laptop that exists in the station because they don't want anybody being able to put stuff in the laptop that they don't want being played. They control what's being put in the laptop and all the DJs on the station have to use the same laptop. So that's communism. <laughs> yeah, so. It's communism. Yeah, but the, I, once again, that's why if we're in this technology streaming era, I love platforms like Twitch or Instagram Live or Mixcloud or whatever the platform is. So 
If you build your own following to come follow you, you can play whatever the fuck you want. And that you can monetize off of it. Oh, 100%. I think it's insane. Good for you that you break the rules in doing that because we need more DJs out here that do that. Turn on these these radio stations. And you're going to get the listeners either or. I have this discussion all the time, whether it's on air or off air. You got High 97 and Power 105.1. You work for Power 105.1. You're going to get the listeners regardless. And I think if you do what you're doing and breaking the rules, I think people will listen more because it's different. It's not the same five mumble trap tracks that we hear all day long. It's something different. I, I agree with you, but if you, if you spoke to heads at radio stations, they'll show you research that argues that. So, you know, once again, if you work for somebody else, you, you, yeah, you that's crazy. To, you could bend the rules, but you're also risking your job when you bend the rules. That's why sometimes you gotta just do things on your own platforms and stuff like that. You know, that's why I missed the mixtape era because what you wouldn't hear on the radio, you would hear on the mixtapes. That's a fact. You know, that's a fact. Oh, it's just unbelievable. But your time in Connecticut, how come you think that? There isn't so much as a music scene as there is in New York and New Jersey in the tri-state. I feel as though there's no buzz in Connecticut. Well, ask the question again. You're saying, why is there no buzz? Yeah, from from your time being at Power 104.1 mm-hmm. in Connecticut and observing the artists out here and the music culture out here, there really isn't a music culture out here. So why well, is that know. in Connecticut compared to New York and New Jersey? When I was up there, I can't remember these guys' names, but they had a lot of local artists that was popping at the time. And honestly, a lot of the New York artists came to Connecticut at the time. I don't know about now because I've been out of Connecticut for a while. But I know it was a market where people used to break where, when they couldn't really break in here. French Montana and Max B used to be up there all the time. And all the, a lot of artists used to go up to Connecticut to break their music first. Shout out to Connecticut, man. Shout out to um, everybody that was on Power 1041 with me back in the day. And shout out to everybody at Hot 93.7 right now. I, you know, I can't speak on it today because I haven't been in a while, but I just, I know at the time they had a lot of popping local artists at the time. Because being, living here right now, especially going to school in Queens, we always look to who's the king of New York, who are the artists that are popping in New York? There's no king of Connecticut. I mean, the, the best thing to do in Connecticut is go to the mall. I'm mean, That's really not much. That's all we have here. That's what we cling to. So we're, I'm always trying to figure out where's the music scene in Connecticut? Yo, who is this dude that I like in Connecticut, bro, that my boy DJs for? Damn, I can't remember his name right now. There's Brillo. No, it's not Brillo. Sholy? Nah, it's this dude I know. He had all these old school tattoos. Damn. I can't remember his name, but why is it like that? I can't speak on it because I haven't been there in a while. But I know there's a lot of talent in Connecticut, so if... They just got to work hard and maybe they need to talk to the local radio station. I, I don't know. I, you know, I'm not up there. I don't know if hot 93 is playing the local talent. You know what I'm saying? Um, you know, DJs got to embrace or those artists got to just step the fuck up and create records that people are going to want to make a movie out of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And especially not only he's making a movie, but doing politics tracks. I think public enemy, we need more artists doing that. That disappeared. Speak well, out that- against that's the original essence of hip hop. But once again, we're in an era where people are not on that. They're trying to do just whatever's hot. Um, yeah, I wish there was revolutionary music. You know, it feels like you only get it when something horrible happens, like George Floyd or something like that. But the system's fucked up regardless. Like we should have revolutionary music and un- um, unify the people in hip hop 
to fight against the system like they originally did all the fucking time. Um, it's probably a big reason why the corporations got a control of hip hop. You know, that's a whole conspiracy conversation that. Oh, I believe in that. I think that the companies, they did. I think that these white people got in there to control what was being played. I do. I agree with that. I think about that all the time because listen, FDT by YG, that wasn't enough for me. We needed more diss tracks going to Trump. We needed more. It wasn't enough. Yeah. Yo, it's crazy, man. It's a lot of, a lot of things is controlled now. That's why you got to go on platforms where you have no control. You're exactly right. It's interesting to hear how being in radio now that you want to get into the the film industry, do you have some scripts lined up that you're working on currently? Yeah, I don't want to talk with them. No, I'm, no, we don't got to give out your ideas. We don't want no thieves in here taking your ideas. Yeah, yeah, I have a couple of scripts. One I got to rewrite. Um, stuff I've been working on for years, actually, but I've been so focused in music. Now, now I'm going to take more time to focus on the movie stuff because I really, really want to go that route. So, yeah, we have a few ideas, bro. Yeah. Slash, yeah. Slasher ideas. Slasher. And, and get rid of CGI. I don't want to see that in any of your movies. Nah, I, don't, I don't like CGI. I want to do the best I can to do things that we can use the old way of special effects, but make it look more realistic than it did back then. So, see, CGI just looks fake to me. I don't even understand why some people... I mean, some of it is very good, but a lot of it is just like, this is basically a video game. Like, why is it... You know? So, I don't really like CGI. Get back to the Rick Baker days of what the transformation of the werewolves in American world from London and the howling facts, but I, we got to get the right guys to make that type of art look better and more realistic for today. And I'm sure it's possible. I don't know why they don't stick to that type of vibe. Everybody wants to take the easy way out with CGI. It's, it's the trap. I'm telling it's, that's another trap element. That's yeah. this is why. And even, I know you're into production. You got the songs that you have champion. We can go on and on and on. You have an unreleased song with Mob Deep as you revealed here. Would you produce a horrorcore album? I'm talking the Grave Diggers, Cool Keith with Dr. Octagon. That sound. Um, I could create music for them. Are you talking about an album like a DJ Sus One album? A DJ Sus One album with artists just compiled in the one album uh, i'm trying to think of who you could put you could probably put the griselda guys on there yeah I, actually i was trying to put them on a record recently but it didn't it didn't work out um i'm putting out music in a second just with me and my guy who produces and sings and writes because i'm yes i would like to do that but i'm tired of chasing a lot of these artists and trying to clear these artists and stuff like that so it's not like it was before it's like these guys you got to be hot for them to fuck with you on a certain level it's not like the essence of hip hop I came up where people just want to be on something and spit bars. It's not like that anymore. So would I like to do that? Yeah. But I think I want to put out some music just with me and my team first. I got a, I got some records though. You got, you got some horrorcore boom bap records. I got a couple of joints. Yeah. Oh, uh, I can't wait to hear those. Yeah. What's your number one horrorcore album of all time? <laughs> There's so many, Jesus. I don't. I, I can't name one of all time. I mean, Get Rich or Die Trying was amazing. Um, MOP, The Locks, not not the Diddy one. The We Are the Streets, uh, Mob Deep. <laughs> what, what was, Mob Deep? The album with um, Shook Once and Survival of the Fittest and all those records. Oh my God. Um, there's so many. There's too many. 
to I, I don't know which one is the greatest of all time, but there's so many. No, I was talking horrorcore. Hardcore hip hop. No, horrorcore. 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 Mm-hmm. What do you mean by horrorcore? Horrorcore. It was okay. I, I'm really. I, I, I thought you said hardcore. That's no, why no, I'm no. thinking you said the whole oh, time. Hardcore. I mean, we can. That that's a discussion. I don't. Oh, I think so I, you're saying what I create a horrorcore album. Horror. Yeah. Oh, okay. That's a whole different thing. Well, describe what you mean by horrorcore. Okay, horrorcore uh-huh. is horror in the hip hop form. Doctor Octagonicologist, which was Cool yeah. Keeps album, The Grave Diggers yeah. with Six Feet Deep. Mm-hmm. It was all. I don't know what you would call it. the The aesthetic of it sounding. It was a horror movie, pretty much. You know, I have mixtapes. You got Google. I don't even know if it's still around. Um, this is a while ago called Halloween Havoc. I did it once or twice, and we sampled like Nightmare on Elm Street and had people freestyle over <laughs> the hardcore beat. And we had horror. Didn't Lloyd Banks have one. He had a couple of them. Yeah, well, this is before Lloyd Banks was even a thing. Oh wow. Yeah. So. So if you're talking about that type of vibe, I can see myself. I don't. I wasn't thinking about doing that, but I could see myself doing that. Yeah, I gave you an idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I could see myself doing that. I wasn't thinking about doing that. We'll see. Mm-hmm. And and that's oh. why I said you could put Griselda on it because they could rap over something like that. They had well, what did Conway do? The Devil's Reject. That was one of his mixtapes that he had. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Griselda's fire, bro. Um, like I said, I tried to do a record with them recently, but it didn't pan out. Um. So we'll see what the future holds. Mm-hmm. Number one horror core hip hop album. Let's try it again. Number one horror core hip hop yes. album of all time. Yeah, see, I don't know because I don't even. I'm. J- I just learned that saying horror core. Mm. I would have to think about that. Cool Keith. You have Doctor Octagon, Doctor Doom, Black Elvis. Yeah, they're fire. But that's what they. That is that what they call that that type of hip hop horror core. I yeah, never heard but, that. Yeah. I just thought it was fucking incredible hip-hop yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's what they called it because it was horror in the form of rap nice um i don't know what my favorite one would be honestly i gotta really think what's your favorite one i gotta go with dr octagon cool keith to me mm-hmm. and he's even said it in interviews he's got 12 personalities i think he's the stephen king of rap really mm-hmm mm. Just based on the stories he told in his raps and how many personalities he had, it, it, insane. Do you remember Ghetto Boys, My Mind Playing Tricks on Me? Mm-hmm. That was a dope record, bro. That That's fire. Yeah. That, that reminded me of like a, a scary storytelling fucking type of vibe. Well, of course. This year, Halloween fell on a weekend. Me and Ghetto yeah, Boys exactly. is trick-or-treating, robbing little kids for bags. Wow, you have a knowledge of hip-hop, bro. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> That a lot of people don't remember that record either. Or how about uh, Bushwick Bill's Chuckwick? Classic. Classic. I'm trying to think of what other records. There's so many different. Razzcast, Interview with the Vampire. Oh my God. I wasn't ever really a big Razzcast fan either, but he had some shit. Razzcast was very underground. Oh, he was. I can't believe that. Razzcast is. Hey, my boy I, used to work with my boy used to work with him, so I used to be around him back in the day. But yeah, was, it wasn't ever shout to Razzcast because he's dope, but it wasn't ever my vibe. So nice. Dead presidents was dope. Um, so many people was dope, bro. There's so the thing about hip hop is there's so many different generations now. When you when you say who's the number one of all time or who's the number one this of all time, it's hard to say because it's been so 
so many different generations and so many different styles and so many different artists. Like, I, I can't even say, well, no, nah, I, I think I would say Jay-Z. I don't know if you, that's, you're going to piss, piss you off, but I would say Jay-Z's the GOAT now. But there's so many different goats from different I think you've done your research. I think you've done your research. Yeah, I, I, to me, listen, business standpoint, if we're talking business standpoint, Jay-Z and what he's accomplished 100%, he's the greatest of all time in that aspect. If we're talking rapping-wise, I, I, it's it's so much for me. And I know Biggie's so, your top rapper. I know Biggie's your top Biggie's top. my top rapper. So. I think he's better than Jay-Z. Jay-Z, to me, is a little overhyped. I'm not going to, and, and there's nothing wrong with saying, I'm not saying overrated, I'm saying overhyped. I think yeah. there's, Jay-Z's. MC-wise, I think Big Al body-bagged him in that 95 freestyle with Stretch and Bobbito. I think Big Pun could put him on roller skates. Yeah, but you're talking about early Jay-Z. He grew so much from then. Jay-Z is fire, bro. But here's my thing. Of course, there was great, better lyricists over the point, over the whole, you know, timeline of hip hop. But he is one of the greats. And to me, so me and Pat Poos have this argument all the time, this debate. So for him to be the greatest of all time, it has to be strictly lyrics and bars. And that's it, right? Mm -hmm. For me, you know, I think that's the original essence of hip hop. But for me, to be the GOAT, you have to have the bars. You have to have the hit records. You have to have the numbers. You have to live in the street music, in the radio music, in the um, in the clubs, in the like. You have to live in all things. You have to be. You have to write your music. You know what I'm saying? Um, and a bunch of things. And you have to have those numbers. I just feel like, and you have to have longevity. And I feel like Jay Z, yeah, he has all of that, and he's still still here today. Um, yeah, I'm sure we could name lyricists that have bodied him eminem bodied him on his own track is not renegade but jay-z was existed way before eminem and he's still here today you know what i'm saying and he's lived on the radio he's lived in the street music he's lived in the club music he's lived in the backpacker music he's lived on like he's spit on the south shit like he's he's had you know billboard he's he i just think he's and he's just the goat like to me like you know what i'm saying what about Nas? Nas did the same thing. Yeah, Nas is still here, but Nas... Nas didn't have as many hits, even though he's lyrically incredible. Nas didn't have... Nas had some albums I just didn't like, bro. Like, Illmatic is fire, Stillmatic is fire, I Am is fire. He it, was written. it was written. It was written. It was written. It was fire. But then... um. The, the album Nostradamus, what was that? Nostradamus? I Nostradamus. Like that People don't like that album. I, I get it, but I didn't like that album. The double album, I didn't like that he had. Um, he was had it Streets Disciple? Yeah, exactly. He had a few albums I didn't really like, like that. That's why Jay Z tried to go in on him because he was at a down point. You know what I'm saying? And Jay Z woke up a beast when he did take yeah. over. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And then Stillmatic was some of best Nas's best fucking work in a long fucking time. Yeah. So, yeah, we had ether, and, and somehow, some way, Jay Z survived that because not too many rappers because, can come back from that. Well, because he's a goat, and don't get me wrong, Nas is a goat too. Nas is a goat, these are some of the greatest rappers of all time. But I just, if we're talking about the greatest of all time, I think if Jay Z passed away today, he would go down as the greatest rapper, the greatest of all time. Um, because of everything his, his catalog, his longevity, his, yes, he has bars, he's lived on in all aspects of hip-hop he's he's done business moves that's crazy which i know that's outside of the hip-hop element but it's it is hip-hop and he's put on so many people too so mm -hmm. i don't know
to me, if someone were to say who's the greatest of all time on the whole package, I'd say, I'd say Tupac, because in my opinion, I think Tupac is a disrespected MC. I think that man, when people say that, that he's not a great MC, you got to really analyze what this man was saying in some of his records. Well, well, Tupac is one of the greatest, um, but the thing is his life was taken early. Biggie's my favorite, but his life was taken too early. So I try to leave them out of the conversation. Um, but yeah, Tupac, so here's what I'll say about Tupac. Tupac stood up, talked about real situations. You know what I'm saying? He had revolutionary music. He talked about real issues. Um, he was not scared to go at your neck. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? He, he had hit records. But now guys, don't get mad at me. This is just my opinion. I don't have a, I have Tupac playlists and records that I can listen to all day. But as far as an album where I can listen to front to back without skipping, I don't have one of those as far as I go with Tupac. Now for me, for Biggie, Life After Death, I could listen to both sides front to back all the way through, including interludes without skipping. But that's, that's me. Now, Tupac, I don't want to take that away from Tupac. Tupac has an, an incredible catalog with hit records, but I'm talking about an album from front to back without skipping. You can't listen to Me Against the World without, you got to skip that. That album to me is his best. It is. That's probably his best, but I, I skip a couple. I got to look at the track list again because it's been a minute, but I'll, I, I'll skip a couple. I, I'm not going to listen to it all the way through without skipping anything. Is what <laughs> Let me see that's a classic list. album. Are, are you pulling it up? Yeah. My oh yeah, it's DJ Self's one just pulling up with Tupac, uh, me against the world. Cause I want I want to see the track list again. If I die tonight, that song is crazy. Tupac goes in on that song. Yes, yeah, so this if I die tonight is crazy. So many tears is crazy. But see, yeah, like look, I'm not listening to this whole album all the way through. Why? What's that? Temptations is on there. Dear Mama's on there. Yeah, Dear Mama's a classic. I see Death Around the Corner. Mm-hmm. But are you listening to It Ain't Easy? It Ain't Easy or, being or, me. Yeah, I'm listening to that. Uh, see, for me, I don't think I... Old I think school. I'm, How about old school? Old school, that's that's my favorite song off of Me Against the World because the references on there. You can see yeah. Tupac being a hip-hop fan in that song. You're not skipping heavy in the game? Is that the last song on the album? That's no, number seven. That's number seven? Yeah. Okay, you could skip that one. You just said it. There you yeah. go. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I can't remember it that Yo, well, so that's probably why I'm saying you could skip it. But look, look let's, let's, let's go to Life After Death track list, all right? Mm -hmm. And this is a double album, by the way, so I count it as two albums. Intro, Somebody's Got to Die, Hypnotize. Kick in the door, fucking you tonight. Last day featuring the locks. <laughs> I love the dough featuring Jay Z. What's beef? Beef is what you, like um, the B.I.G. interlude. B.I.G. is you know what I'm saying. More money, more problems. Niggas bleed just like us. Whoa. I got a story to tell. Notorious thugs with bone thugs in harmony. Miss you. Another with Lil Kim. Going back to Cali, <laughs> 10 Crack Commandments, Play a Hater, that where you were singing. Oh, I can skip that. You can skip that. No way, bro. Play a Hater, classic. you can skip that. I'll give you that one, but that was a hit record on radio, let's be clear. 
Nasty Boy, I Go, on and on and on and Sky's the Limit. That's called well, 112. The World is Filled. Uh, no, Sky's the Limit didn't have 112 in it. That was Missing You. Sky's the Limit. Uh, oh, no, they're in it. Yeah, Sky is the Limit when they're singing in it. That's that's 112. Is that 112? Mm-hmm. Okay. The World is Filled with Too, too Short. My niggas praying on my downfall. Some of the best hip hop verses of all time. Mm. The long kiss, good night, and you're nobody till somebody has till somebody kills you, bro. That's a phenomenal fucking. In which Rick Ross flipped on Mastermind with French Montana. Yeah, no, but it wasn't the same. No, shout to, shout to them though. But <laughs> that that's a, that's an incredible hip hop album from interludes to records to he took it to different places like you know, to the South, to the Midwest, to the West Coast, to New York. And he, he did stuff for the ladies, stuff for the streets, stuff for like, he just, that album is just crazy. And I'll give you a, uh, just a great body of work similar to that, Capital Punishment. I think Capital Punishment isn't brought up enough in top albums of hip hop. Uh, Capital, Capital Punishment is fire, let's be clear, but I still don't think it's life after death, bro. Shout out to Big Pun. Big Pun has slept on a lot, not in the Spanish community, but just in hip hop. He should be mentioned in the top MCs, just like before, DMX, um, rest God rest his soul. I I always said should have been mentioned as some of the. Yeah, top. It always takes to when he when he died that they mentioned him. Everyone's like, oh, he's top five, he's top ten, but we weren't saying he was top ten when he was alive. Even though it's dark and hell is hot and flesh of my flesh and blood of my blood are two of my favorite hip hop albums of all time. And then there was X, you could say that too. But yo, bro, I always told people before he passed away. He, first of all, he went multi platinum twice in one year. You know what I'm saying? Um, when he first came out. He um, was lyrically killing, bodying everybody. You know what I'm saying? Niggas then started something. His verse on that, he killed everybody on that. And shout out to the locks and Mace, because they killed it too, but yeah. DMX killed it. He was killing everybody. Um, or how about Blackout? He, yeah, Blackout. Jay-Z's verse on that was tough. Everybody yeah, I agree with that. that. I agree with you on that. <laughs> but um, DMX was unique. He was, he was, they loved him in all cultures, bro. And he was killing concerts with nobody on his side, just him on the stage. Like, I just think he was fine. And he was going, selling 5 million albums, 5 million albums, I mean, like, out the gate. He so, saved Def Jam. Yeah, he did save Def Jam, but then Def Jam was a monster. They had so many people, DMX, Red Man, Method Man. I, I forgot everybody at that time, but they were a monster at one point in that era. Yeah, Mex did some horrorcore. Damien, The Omen. He had some more X's coming for you, which was a flip on the Nightmare on Elm Street yeah, song. Yeah, 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 exactly. So, pun, but pun is fire, bro. Pun's lyric game was bananas. I think, who would you say? Uh, it's tough. The greatest lyricist. Of all time? Mm-hmm. See, that's a hard conversation. Because I, I want to say pun. His rhymes were so... His del- I, I, I'll, I'll put it to you this way. I think Pun's delivery of his lyrics is the greatest of all time. And it, what proves, even though Biggie's got that insane flow pattern, that dead in the middle of Little Italy, little did we know, it riddled well, to that, didn't do diddly. Like, well, that's, that's one of the greatest bars. That's one of the greatest hip hop lyrics of all time. Dead in the middle of Little Italy, little did they know that we riddled to middlemen who didn't do diddly. That is some of the craziest bars I've ever heard. That's a fact. You know what I'm saying? But um, still, there's there's records on this album that I would skip. Wh- which ones are you skipping? Because I want I want to know. 
Like, and, I, and by the way, I'm not saying they're trash. It's just that if I'm in my car, I'm not listening to every album, okay. every song. Super lyrical, fire. I'm not a player. With Black Thought. Not, yeah, with Black Thought. Still not a player, and I'm I'm not a player. So fire. Dream Shatterer, fire. fire. I think I think the album version I would skip, though. I like the, the remix version. Um, even though it's the same lyrics, he killed it. Mm-hmm. Um, glamour, you know, Glamour Life was cool. You know, I would skip all these tracks up until Twins, Deep Cover 98, Fire. No, you're not, you're not skipping You Ain't a Killer. That's at the end. I didn't say, I didn't skip that yet. Oh, okay. No, You Ain't a Killer's Fire. I'm yeah. That. But look, I, I think I would skip Boomerang and Fast Money. You know, don't skip Parental Discretion. That's my favorite pun song. That one's dope. I probably would skip it though. Beware is fire. Beware. Caribbean Connection was fire. Um, you came up with Nori was fire. But once again, I'm not listening to front to back. What about packing the Mac in the back of the act? Mm. Those skits are classic. They're classic. Not listening to it back to back though. Or how about the one with Funk Flex on there where he's laughing about him and Joe being two wild bears? <laughs> yeah, that's uncensored. Yeah. So. But yeah, Capital Punishment, classic album. But once again, I, there are some tracks in there I would I would personally skip if I'm in my car and go straight to the my favorite super bangers. Jay Z got albums that I listen to all the way through, like his second album, which people say they don't like. Volume one. Yeah, volume one. I think that shit is phenomenal. He, so a lot of people don't like it. Um, the Blueprint, fucking incredible, bro. Yeah. <laughs> the Blueprint was fire. Oh man, Sus One. Uh, is there anything else you would love to say to the audience here tonight? Any anything that you want to say that you have coming up that you want to promote? Um, look out for me on the Wendy Williams Show Monday through Friday. I'm on Power One Hundred Five One on the weekends. I'm on Jamming in Boston on Friday nights. I'm on in Maryland, Salisbury, uh, Monday through Thursday. I'm on Dash Radio on the Taste Channel Monday through Friday. Um, look out for the feature presentation studios we're going to be creating film and some projects that you might see on your favorite uh, movie streaming platforms um mm, we got artists coming out we got music coming out um go on the feature presentation.com you know what i'm saying check out our movie reviews and tv show re- reviews look at look for me on tour mariah carey when we get back into it after everything everything opens back up and um yeah i think that's about it for now yeah, we, we we covered everything 100%. Yeah, man, we got to do this again, not so late, because I got to get out of here in a few, but yeah, um, we got to do, do this again because you have a an incredible knowledge of horror movies, which I like to talk about, an incredible knowledge of hip-hop. But we got to have, like, a horror movie talk. Yeah, we do, oh, 100%. I appreciate you coming on the show, Sus1. Make sure they follow you on Instagram and Twitter at DJ Sus1. And, yes. and, and, and be in tune with what you got coming out and check him out on the Wendy Williams show as he is the DJ for that spectacular hit show. Thank you, bro. I appreciate it. Mad Max. You know, there's another DJ named uh, Mad Max. Yeah, he ain't me, so he doesn't count. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen him in years, though, but shout out oh. to um, my brother Mad Max, bro. Oh, Love boy. oh boy. All right, Sus1, I'm going to let you go here. Perfect. Sus1, I want to thank you for doing that for me and coming on the show for an interview. Definitely got to do a part two of horror movies, though. Yeah, we got to, bro. No doubt. All right, Sus1, take care. Enjoy the rest of your night. Peace, man. My guy. Yeah. Love.